Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee, my world I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a morning and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm here with Jason White of Plans and Provisions Podcast and we're going to interview him about how he got started and what his plans are for the future and with that I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Well thanks Rachel it's uh it's really great to be here. Yeah so if you don't mind you want to tell us where you're located you don't have to give exact location but just general area? Yeah, of course. So um, I am in Southwest Missouri, nestled right in the middle of the Ozark Mountains, um, not too far from Springfield, Missouri. So we've been here just over just over a year now. Okay. And and is your background in like farming, homesteading, is this new to both you and your wife? So yes and no. I mean, so I grew up, I grew up very conventionally in the suburbs, you know, um, just kind of the, the average middle-class consumer, you know, suburban lifestyle. Once I turned about 20 in my early twenties, I started to realize I had a real interest in, in where things came from, especially, especially food and beverage. So for example, Really, I think what really kicked it off was when I was about, I think it was about 22, I landed on the island of Maui with a with a backpack and like 300 bucks and um, forgot my shoes, but that's another story and ended up, uh, and I had a phone number. So I ended up with a um, an internship with this old local guy who taught me and my then, uh, well, now ex-wife, uh, how to... Um, process and roast coffee. So that was really my first experience. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. We lived in the back of this old building and ran a little fruit shop during the day and sold coffee and picked coffee a couple times a week. And it was just a really unusual, unexpected experience. And it really just set me off for uh, a desire, you know, to know how food and beverage is produced, but also the agricultural side was just you know, I was attracted to the production element, but also just the beauty of it, you know. Um, oh, I bet so that, what a beautiful place to do something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally spoiled. Definitely a blessing. Um, you know, in, in the end, well, you know, along the way, I ended up meeting my wife because of my relationship with the coffee industry uh, in Maui. She was born and raised out there. So she was still, I mean, she was a surfer girl and, you know, grew up on the island, but she, you know, 
she was living off the grocery store and it wasn't even until I met her in her late twenties. So she got into homesteading or we didn't even know it was homesteading then, but into kind of farming in rural life once she met me. Okay. Yeah. And so then that's in, that's in Hawaii, which is quite a ways from Missouri. How did it you sure end is. up? Yeah. How did you end up uh, landing in Missouri on a, on a homestead? Well, I, I would say the next step in the line would be we, you know, I, I met I met the the beautiful local surfer girl and that was my dream. I loved Maui and I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm home. I'm going to live the rest of my life here. And then she said, hey, you know, I've lived here for almost 30 years. If you want to stay with me, we're leaving. I got to get off this island. And so I said, OK, so we ended up in um, in the Portland, Oregon area um, in the Willamette Valley in general. I had some contacts over there and spend a little time. So over there, we started to just find ourselves drawn to to farms. I had made a contact when we first got out to McMinnville, where we were for a few years and helped with the CSA and did a work trade there and ended up living on a very rural property and doing some some gardening and started doing chickens and um and and eventually ended up down in the Eugene area for for several years where I feel like we went to homesteading school. And again, at that time, we, I don't, I don't know if people were really using the word homesteading yeah, um, yeah. that much then, but, um, but we ended up living with a, a couple who had kind of a hobby farm. We would call it a homestead. Now they had about seven acres. They had a, a dairy cow or two. They were raising some steers. They had, you know, all the different poultry, way too much poultry. She had chickens just <laughs> everywhere. Um, and um learned how to you know make cheese and can and and make jams and and butter and started slaughtering uh chickens and turkeys and and so that was we were there for about a year and that was really what kind of cemented that lifestyle for us and we realized that we, yeah. we just learned so much in that period of time and so i i think that so no the background was not in homesteading or agriculture, but it kind of, it just, that's how the path kind of ended up, ended up playing out for us. Um, getting here, we stopped along in Arizona for about six years uh, after we had our first kid. My family is, uh, was in Arizona in the Phoenix area. And so we just needed to kind of make money and we had family to help watch our kids. So we were there for six years, but the whole time, honestly, we were just so uncomfortable. I mean, we adjusted. Um, right. But we just knew that it was we were going to be there for a year or two and then head off to Idaho was the dream for us. And um, and we just kind of got into the rhythm of things. We started making money that felt good. And you know, we had the family support. Um, but we were just never we were never really satisfied with it. We always knew that we were not going to stay there. And we looked around all over the country. We looked extensively in northern Arizona. Um, I took a trip up to check out North Idaho. I mean, we we looked into any possible reasonable reasonable place that a modern homesteader would consider. And somehow I don't even I don't know how we ended up settling on 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 Missouri. I know that at one point maybe halfway through being in Arizona, something told me the Ozarks, just kind of one of those mm-hmm. 
you know, small, yeah, the small voices. And I kind of forgot about that because we were so fixated on the Idaho area. Right. But um, once I went up there and realized, you know, I, there's grizzly bears in the backyard. It's, you know, four feet of snow every year. <laughs> I, you know, we're, as we get older, are we going to want to be 60 and, and shoveling four feet of snow and slipping on ice? And we just kind of cooled to that. And one thing led to another. We, we had an opportunity to buy this property that we're on. So that was uh, 21. We closed okay. on the property in September and moved here December of 21. So we've been here about 13 months now. Wow. And how many acres do you have? We've got or just under, we do. We've got just under five acres. So okay. we've got about yeah. three acres of pasture. And then the, the balance is, you know, kind of different areas around the property. So it's, um, yeah, it's, right. uh, it's, a, it's a nice little spot. Five acres is good. I think yeah. it's, I think it's plenty. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, it can yeah. wear. I mean, we have the quarter acre here, and I can tell you, it can wear you out <laughs> if you've. Yeah, there's, and then yeah. you're gonna. Do you have any animals now? So we do. We got started um, within a week or two. We were so excited because we had we had just loved having chickens, and we had birds when our oldest daughter was you know under two. We left when she was a year and a half from Oregon. We hadn't had chickens since, so I was pretty eager to to show this girl and my, and my, my twins, I've got younger twins, let's get some chickens. So I, I picked up, um, I picked up like eight or nine hens and a rooster, uh, within about 10 days of making landfall here. Oh, at wow. The property. Yeah. We were, yeah, I was, we were ready, you know, it, it had right. been a long time yeah. coming. And so luckily there was a really nice little chicken house and yard that was already here on the property. So, um, so yeah, we we we've got that. We've we've grown. Uh we've got, I don't know, probably 20, 25 laying hens. Uh we've been whittling down our roots. We bought we, yeah, long story short, the chicken chicken zone is a little crazy right now, but we've been <laughs> uh slowly getting our roosters into the freezer and uh we did some corners cross this last fall. And so we've been enjoying some fresh okay. Juicy chicken. Uh, we did pick up in April, which was kind of a, it wasn't a compulsive move, but it did surprise my wife. Uh, I had been looking for bottle caps. And so we picked up a pair of brown Swiss, brown Swiss bottle caps from a local dairy. Oh, wow. In, in April. And that was, uh, that has been an experience. They're, they're, they've been a lot of fun and they're easy and we're just raising them for beef. But right. um you know, I'll never forget that drive. It's about 30 minutes away. And I, we don't have any stock trailers or really any, any kind of trucks or anything. I've got a older Honda SUV. And so I, I drove out there and I, I put these two calves in the back of my Honda pilot SUV. And, um, I thought they'd just kind of lay down and just right. sit there and look out the window and they didn't. And so, oh boy, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, licking my ears, trying to get in the front seat. And if you've been in the Ozarks, you know, there's really not many straight lines on the roads out here. So that was a trip that, that I'd never forget. And beyond that, we've got a small rabbit tree that we've, uh, we've started. We've got a buck and two does of some New Zealand whites. That's pretty and, cool. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we got a pretty good start. Um, I feel like. So yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you. So is your property 
flat or hilly? I'm going to assume it's, a little bit hilly. It's actually pretty flat. Our, our okay. pasture does have a little bit of an incline. So we're because of the way that the land rolls, we've got two small ponds that you know fill with nice. with uh, with so that's that's nice but yeah it's it's pretty flat we're blessed to have a a flat area where they've gardened for decades and so uh we we have a really nice garden area that's already been cleaned of rocks and is pretty fertile so that's that's been nice as well that's really cool it's nice to come in and already have that garden and chicken coop that's that's yeah. So, nice. yeah. And we've got the, you know, the pasture was, was fenced and, you know, we've got some, some sheds and yeah, the garden, if, if you know anything about Ozark soil, it is um, really good at growing rocks. And so <laughs> having, having those rocks already out of there was huge for us. So we, you know, and, and we also, we bought the house because it has high speed wired internet as well, which is kind of okay. rare out here. So it, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds and it allows me to work from home and, okay. and do the things I do here. So yeah, that's kind so of the you mentioned work. So you work, you do work obviously off farm then, not maybe off farm, but you do work outside of your homestead at this point. I do, yeah. We're we're definitely I would say the probably the toughest thing. It's been a tough year. It's been a beautiful year. It's been a wonderful year, but the transition from, you know, that easy money and convenience in the suburbs of a large metropolitan area to a place like this has been, it's, it's, it's been a challenge. And, you know, I, I, I talk about that on my podcast. I'm fairly open about it. It's um, it's been, it's been hard, but we have slowly experimented with different things and honestly we've had to just change our expectations you know things that worked in the past are just not they're just not working the way that they did you know in that environment so there's a um you know i think that as much as we had identified with that rural lifestyle and that homestead lifestyle from our former experiences six years living in a place like phoenix arizona will yeah will change you and and you have to be adaptable as humans we are adaptable and so we really kind of became those suburbanites that we kind of just didn't really we never felt comfortable but right. we found i think that being here we we've had to go through kind of a detox from that um I can, and so I can understand that yeah. yeah you know what i mean it's it's so i think we're detoxed i think we're good i think we figured it out but i i do work off-site, off, I leave uh, part-time and then I work from home part-time as well. Okay. That's, that's cool. Now, yeah. are you guys, you mentioned children. Um, do they play a part in homesteading? How is that? How does that work with um, having, I don't know how old they are, or, you know, any yeah, of that. So and- they do. So our oldest is eight years old. We have three girls, an eight-year-old, and then we have twin four-year-olds. Um, you know, we always promised our oldest a farm. That was the dream. You know, we're, we're living here now, but one day, you know, we're not just going to have this backyard full of rocks. We're going to have a farm. We're going to have a farm. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they, I would say I I referenced how tough the year has been just finances and things like that. And we're on our feet, we're getting through it, but I would say the one of the most beautiful things is seeing how the kids have really kind of blossomed forth 
yeah. once we got here and just over the year and just seeing them engaged with the natural world that we have here with, with the rhythms of, of, of life and death. Um, you right. know, my, my oldest is an absolute chicken nut now. I mean, she's, she's <laughs> eight years old. She can tell you more about chickens than I probably could. She, she's, uh, she watches a lot of videos on them. She, you know, every time we, we get the, the, the hatchery catalogs in the mail and oh. she, yeah. She just loves those. I just hand them right over. I'm like, there you go. Um, seed catalogs. So yeah, she's in, she's involved and she, her responsibility is growing as, as we see fit, you know, the twins, they're, yeah, they're having a good time, but they're not exactly, you know, they're out there, they're having fun, but they're not, they're not quite to the point where they're, they're doing too much, but to that question, I mean, we we just started harvesting our first animals this last fall. And yeah, and that can be interesting to to explain to children. Absolutely, and I explained it, and she's like, "Oh yeah, cool, okay, great, oh yeah, okay." Now she was very engaged with a lot of these chickens, and we had to harvest a couple of roosters that she had helped raise that were not meat birds. They were just we bought a barnyard mix and had way too many, and 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 she's fine with it. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh, sounds good day of she had some emotions she she definitely it was it was hard for her because it was something that I mean it was hard for me at 30 something when I first started doing it you know um but now we've we've had several you know chicken slaughter days and last week we had some friends out and they wanted to they'd never done it themselves so we wanted to show them how to do it and I just kind of, you know, when you have people around, you kind of step back and see things from a a different viewpoint and just seeing how natural and calm she was about it. And just in the twins, they're fine with it. Yep. They, they get it, you know, and, and that's as much as my wife and I love living rurally and love the homesteading life. That's why we're doing this. You know, it's, it's so that they know how to feed themselves and they're not squeamish about these things. And, you know, it's, that's, that's why we do it. So yeah, they're, they're, they're the, um, they're definitely giving us good feedback in the way they've adjusted. Right. Now, when I looked over at your, your website and your podcast, you said one of the subjects that you were interested in talking about on there was homeschooling. Do you homeschool your kids? We do. Yeah. That's something that even, even before we really got engaged in the, the, the philosophy, I think of homesteading, which we could probably get into a little, we always just kind of knew that we wanted to homeschool our kids, even before we were really convicted to do so. I I think we just knew that. Um, And so, yeah, we do. And well, my wife does. I I mean, she does the like the school, you know, the, the reading, writing and arithmetic. Yeah. You know, I, I do the more of the science stuff, um, history, things like that. Um, just kind of. I've, I've found that with homeschooling, it seems like when you know that that's your responsibility, you're just kind of always teaching them. Yeah, that's, you know, and so it's, it's fun. Yeah, we we enjoy it. And it's just been satisfying to see. Right now, the twins are learning to read. My oldest, you know, knowing that we taught her to read. We didn't outsource that to the state. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But um, but we definitely feel like it was, it's 
for us, it goes hand in hand with homesteading because it's right there with the philosophy of just taking, taking power back from these centralized forces that are just kind of just looking to monetize your life and control your life for profit. And um, so it's, yeah, we, we, we love it. It it is a, um, I don't know how to describe that feeling when you look back at your children, mine are all adults now. And you look back at them and you realize that you're the one that taught them to read and do math and all of that. And they're successful adults. It's, um, it's rewarding. It's very humbling, but yeah, I don't know how to explain that feeling, but yeah. So you, we, you we, homeschooled yours as well. Okay. Yeah. We homeschooled our kids, um, K through 12. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they never, they never saw a public school or an no. institutionalized school during that period. Wow. No. Great. No, we have, um, we have, I homeschooled my cousin from the time she was 16 till she was 19. And um, she's, you know, ours basically. And um, so she did see school. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the oldest of all the girls. We have three girls. And then our two youngest were K through 12. They never saw, they never saw public um, school. Our our oldest daughter went to college. Our youngest one is considering it. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a, I loved it. I'd do it again, all the sacrifice. And because it is, it's a sacrifice, especially for us. It was a big sacrifice financially. But Yeah, um, yeah no, that's, that's a big part of, yeah. that's a big part of our struggle. You know, it's not just that we're homesteading, you know, I mean, it's not just that we're rural, it's that. You know, we're, we're taking on that and yeah, it would be nice to have a break, but the, our convictions are strong and, and we really believe in what we're doing and, and it, it is rewarding, but it's, yeah, yeah I mean, you, yeah, it's definitely. And it's not for a, everyone, but we, we just, we loved it. And my kid, the kids, um, the kids loved it and it just worked really well for us, but um, we ended up getting you know, between the homesteading and then the gardening and then um, the natural health, which I saw was something else that you wanted to talk about. Like, not that you wanted to talk about that, but that you talk about on your podcast, which is natural medicine and nutrition. That was kind of how we ended up in homesteading was my health had declined dramatically. And um, I think how some people, quite a few actually, when you start talking to people about how they got there, they got there because either they were having health problems or they were trying to avoid having health problems. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the subjects that you cover on your podcast. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And that's something that When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I referenced that homeschool or excuse me, homestead kind of school we went to, that property that we lived on with those folks. And and the way that we had gotten into that was we had arrived in Eugene and um and I was looking for work and opportunity and I came across this uh herbal products intern. Well, whatever, I'll I'll check it out. And so I ended up uh interning with this um 
this herbalist and um, kind of a community leader within kind of the, um, I mean, Eugene's kind of a hippie kind of, you know, leftist type of town and college town. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was probably an unlikely candidate, but I ended up being the first intern for this program and, and learned a ton. And I had already, you know, I had geeked out on on herbs and mushrooms and and you know wild foods in my twenties, but um, but that experience not only did I learn a lot, but it also networked me into other opportunities, which you know taught me more. And, and I think, um, yeah, I think I think natural medicine. I mean, it's just another component of of that yeah. decentralization, yeah. you know. And it's 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 really important to us. And it's funny because we we do a lot of things in our home that we just we've done even when we were living in the suburbs or living in an apartment or whatever it might have been we just kind of take them for granted and it's just it's it's hard sometimes to to know what people don't know you know what they you know what they yeah, need to hear yeah. you know what i mean you forget but, what um, you've come from and you forget what you didn't know right exactly and it's 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 easy to take for granted what what you have to offer and i think um but yeah, the, the, the health, the health aspect is really important for us. And it will always drove our dietary choices. And one of the reasons that we were so motivated to want to grow our own food, um, you know, for us, I think the motivation to really, to really go into this lifestyle, one of them really came down to preparedness. Um, you know, I think that, I think that many people in the I tend to think that homesteaders, generally speaking, are kind of without, you know, I hate the word prepper, but I feel like they're kind of truly activated preppers. I mean, they're, they're living out, they're living out a life of preparedness. They're taking back the power over their food, um, over their, over their education, over their children, over their health. I mean, I think that's what homesteading really is about. And that's what that's what's driven us in a lot of ways to, to make some of the sacrifices that we've made moving out here. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think that, I think that's a, that, that's, what's driven us, you know, health, yeah. um, preparedness, the love for the lifestyle and, and just kind of having, having our children be able to be, to be raised in this. Cause I, I, I love, I love my family and I, I love my upbringing, but man, I just felt so as many are in this yeah. culture, just so unprepared to take care of themselves, you know? Well, and I felt, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize that they felt, um, they feel disconnected from the soil, from just from the earth. And I'm not even being woo woo here or anything, but mm-hmm. I do believe as humans, we have this connection to, to nature and um the fast paced life that like that most live now we're just so disconnected from that and i and i see a lot of people craving that even if it's not actually homesteading or farming um they're finding ways to get to the woods they're you know learning other skills or their vacations are to the woods so mm-hmm. for yeah. us homesteaders whatever you want to call us. Um, we've just decided to make that our whole life because <laughs> it makes us happy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, no, it does. And I think that, I think you're right. I think a lot of people, I mean, the last couple of years, there's definitely been a lot of eye-opening developments. And I, and I don't think that anything really has changed about the underlying um, circumstances of the world we live in. I just think that it's become more obvious to more people. And, and, and I, and I honestly think that's a big reason why the, the homesteading movement is growing. And I know that, um, you know, it definitely helped propel us forward. I mean, we, we could have stayed where we were and, and, and done well and, and, and not had certain challenges that we're facing now, but, um, yeah, same here, same here. I think, um, I mean, we've been homesteading here for a while on our quarter acre, but the last few years, that's what kind of prompted us to buy the 20 acres and say, what are we waiting for? We've been talking about doing this for 15 years. Why don't we just do it now? Yeah. And we just did. And it was terrifying. It still kind of is. It still kind of is, but yeah. Not to mention the the amount of work that I know you you two are doing up there. Yeah, and, the and lot of work and it's um and we're not young anymore and we don't have child labor and <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We love it. We love we love it. So Well, and that that will keep you that will keep you healthy and 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 keep you keep you young and keep you moving forward and Yeah. Yeah, let's and, hope. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I mean, I love the whole natural medicine and um that's the thing too, I think with everybody's drawn to being outside, but also just that physical, um, that agrarian lifestyle, that physical labor. I think we're all, you know, people go pay to go work out because they like how that makes you feel. And Mm -hmm. as homesteaders, we don't have to pay to work out, but (laughs) yeah. And that's, and that's life. No, it's true. And, and, you know, I talk about kind of that six month hiatus that I, that we took away from just away from this kind of lifestyle. You know, I, I, I didn't have to go to the gym. I didn't have to work out. I, I, I was hauling hay and, and moving hay around. I was, I was building fences. I was hauling water. I was doing all of these things and, and I was, I was fit and it was from work. And I always brag, well, I don't need to go to a gym because because I, you know, I, I work. And, and then I moved to that kind of sedentary life where, you know, there's a gym on every corner and everything is just, uh, you know, every, you're all boxed in. And, and I, and I just kind of fell into that, you know, it, at first I didn't exercise. So I, I, I do this, but no, you don't. So I had to start actually being intentional about that. And yeah. it was tough for me because it is such a, such a divergence from the identity that I, 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 I identified with when you guys were more like in town, like when you were in Arizona and stuff, did you do any homesteading type things or that that's a good question? Yeah. So, so we did, we would, um, you know, we, we carried a lot of the things that we learned and still did them. For example, some of the natural kind of natural herbal remedies and things that we, that we had grown to, to appreciate and rely upon. We started to, um, we would can, we okay. would garden. Uh, we didn't have any animals. That was probably about the extent of it, but we, okay. we still kept a little bit of our, you know, Life our toes style. in the water a little bit. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, I think it's really important for people who, because I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think for, for every one of us that's, 
actively homesteading, I think that there's probably just tons of people who, who dream of that lifestyle. And, yeah. and I think that, yeah. you know, you talk about your, your tagline is grow where you're planted. And, and I've, I've talked a lot on my show about just the importance of getting started where you are and not waiting for that perfect. Right. And I'm pretty sure you and I, when you were on my show, we talked about the same thing. And I, I think it's so important that people start to engage with these natural self empowering, enjoyable practices, wherever they are, whether it be in an apartment or living in the suburbs, like we were, um, you know, during 2020, we, we were stuck at home like many and nothing was really going on. So we gardened like crazy and we had a whole yard (laughs) full of these massive wild uh, sunflowers and we, we grew tons of food and, um, you know, we learned a fair amount from that experience. And, um, I just think it's, I just think it's so important. And 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 that was, and you were doing that in Arizona. Correct. Okay. Cause I've been through Phoenix and it looks pretty dry. So it's interesting to hear you say. So yeah, it it, it is dry. It's irrigated from the Colorado river. And admittedly we had success because we, we, we used a lot of that, uh, of that municipal water. Um, but that's a uh, very drastically different um growing area than where you're at now. So you've grown for you've grown in several different like what what is the word I'm looking for? You've just grown in very different climates, like mm-hmm. from Oregon down to Arizona and then Missouri. Yeah, and then um, of course yeah. um of course Hawaii as well. So Oh yeah, and Hawaii too. Um, those those are some pretty drastically different um grow zones and soils and climates. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would definitely say the easiest was Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you know, you could put anything in the ground and, and it will get water. And if it doesn't water it, it'll grow. Um, yeah. Arizona, you can grow year round. You, you know, the summers, the summer is actually the winter there because it gets so blazingly right. hot that we don't want you it. have to, you have to do things to protect your plants. And, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been around a little bit. I'm, I've, I've slowed down quite a bit and I hope to spend the rest of my life here in the Ozarks. So do you Just guys kinda... have, um, a community that you have kind of inserted yourself into with like some other homesteaders or farmers or, um, I don't know, markets. Do you guys have, um, farmers markets and stuff like that there that are real active? I don't know how big the town is by where you're at. Yeah. So. so we, we do, we have a, um, we're near a small town of about 3000 and there is a, a seasonal farmer's market there. That's pretty active. And there's, there's several in, in kind of the larger area, the Springfield area. Um, we haven't really gotten super involved there. I would say that one of the things now, okay. I think community is vitally important. It's something that my wife and I talk quite a bit about. It's something that, you know, coming from that suburban life, you know, people tend to keep to themselves. Uh, They benefit from the proximity and the economy of scale and and everything of having all those people around, but they tend to keep to themselves. And, And it was very uncomfortable for us, but we, again, we adapted to that. So it's been a, it's been an adjustment moving here. But well, we have we they, we found a um, a homeschooling co-op on Facebook that um, 
that we've made some really good friends with and, and continue to, to network through that. But we're actually, I think one of the things that, and I've encountered this a little bit over the last few years, I think that when people are looking for a group or a community, they're looking for one that someone else started. And we've been looking around our area, which a lot of homesteaders are moving to this area. I know that for a fact. And there isn't really that I've found an active homesteading community here. And so we're actually in the process of starting that. Um, Good you know, we're for just you. Gonna, yeah, it's something that it's, we're all a little bit apprehensive to put our necks out there and, and, you know, and do something like that, but it's something that has been on our mind and we're finally getting that going. So we're starting a Facebook group and um, just, just for our area, you know, and the, and the surrounding and then planning on doing a monthly meetup. And I think that, I think community is just, it's just so important, you know, not only when you are homesteading, but when you move to a new location, it's, it's, it's really important, but yeah, that's something that we're working on. So what are your, like, what are your goals this year for 2023 for your, your farm and, um, and other things. And then do you have some long-term goals that you have set? Like, where do you imagine yourself and, you know, where do you imagine your farm going? Yeah. So I think we, we do, we have, you know, we've just put our first year in and we, we did quite a bit. And I'm pretty grateful for for everything that has, you know, we haven't had any major failures. We've had some, but um, our long-term goal, as far as we can see it, is we, we want to raise sheep here. We want to raise lamb. And, okay. um, you know, I just really feel, done a lot of reading. Um, I just feel convicted that that sheep and lamb production is, is, is the future of small-scale meat production. Um, localized meat production. And, um, you know, I, I won't get into all the reasons why, unless you want to know, but, but we're not ready for that. And it was something that, you know, when we first got here, oh, we'll have sheep this year. Well, being here and slowly just kind of letting things fall into place and, you know, getting over the excitement of being here, we've realized, you know, this is a long-term vision. And so we want to slowly work slowly work towards this. Homesteading is a journey, right? We all talk about the homestead journey. So I want to make sure that we're enjoying the journey and that we're not burning ourselves out too fast. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Joel Salton that said in, I believe in Polyface Micro, that the average homestead lifespan is six years. So I don't want to be that statistic. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I, I don't want to be that statistic and I don't, I want to see other people um, you know, have success. I just think it's so important that, you know, we, yeah. we look at the long term. So this year, one of my main goals is, well, we're going to, we're going to garden again. Uh, last year we, we planted, we tilled 4,000 square feet. We planted about three quarters of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had gardened, but we were not, we're not expert gardeners. Um, we bit off way more than we could chew. <laughs> And, uh, but it was successful. It was successful in the fact that we grew a lot of food. It didn't really meet the expectations that we had, but we knew that if we don't jump in and we probably didn't need to plan as much as we did, but that, you know, um, we learned so much 
Um, and if, you know, anybody that wants to kind of hear about that, I, I do a monthly update on, on what we're doing here on the homestead. And, and during the spring, summer, fall, I definitely chronicled kind of the different challenges that we faced and what we were learning. So this next year, I'm looking forward to probably planting probably half or less, <laughs> probably less, 40% of what we planted, having more control, uh, getting some drip irrigation to have a better um, better irrigation plan. And um, we're going vertical with some things like cucumbers. We're going to move our squash, our winter squash and stuff to different corners of the property where they don't really need to be tended as much because they're pretty low, low maintenance and they take up a lot of space. So, so definitely looking forward to just continuing to learn to garden. Um, Hopefully having success with our rabbit breeding. We've had some, some, uh, we had some pretty significant failures on that at the end of last year. Okay. Um, and another thing is, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording just about chickens and feed and the sustainability of feeding chickens or, or, or really, really anything, um, you know, looking at the amount of hay that we're, we're, we've had to invest in for this winter for our animals and all these things. So feed homestead level feed sustainability is something that um, yeah. I'm really, really interested in. I can definitely thank you uh, for your interview that you did uh, uh, last month, I believe with Nick Ferguson. And um, he's so knowledgeable. Oh, I, I, I took away so much from that one conversation and I've been geeking out and telling other people about it. I've become kind of the, the, uh, the proponent of these fodder trees, but, and I'd heard you mention hay trees in the past. Yeah. I and have I, it, several. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm like, what is that? And so then, yeah, that, that talk definitely set me going. So definitely planning on getting the hybrid poplar white mulberry hybrid willow and starting to plant those. And then the goal is to start to propagate them and my, yeah. my hopes are to be able to, through the community that I develop here and, and beyond, to kind of be a uh, evangelist for, for yeah. that and get people to plant them and hopefully help to have an impact on our local food sustainability and, and our local food economy. So those are, you know, and we're also looking at breeding chickens. We've got a couple of breeds we like here and um, we want to start finding creative ways to monetize those uh, those birds. So they're not just, you know, we're not just paying eight bucks a, a dozen for eggs or whatever. It I was is, just right? going to say you could sell eggs and design. <laughs> yeah, and we have, we have. I've sold some at work, and um, you know, one of the things too to answer your question that is a big goal for for me that I've started off well is I'm going to keep meticulous records this year. Um, yeah, that's been one know. of my goals too. It is so much yeah. harder than you think it would be. I know. And I'm a record guy. I'm a note guy. I, I, I know how important it is. And then we let a whole year go by on this homestead and we didn't keep track of our feed bill, for example. I, um, I know. I don't you know understand what I mean? why I do that to myself. <laughs> right. So that's a goal. We're, we're keeping track of that just so we have the data. So we know, okay, this is, this is where we are. I'd rather know where we are than think like, Hey, it was okay. Right. Want to know exactly where we are so we can make adjustments to it. So those are the big goals. I mean, we would love to get sheep this year, but I really, really need to re replace our perimeter fence. And I don't see that happening this year. So we're just going to okay. 
you know, see what happens. Maybe next year we'll get to that. You know, again, I think, I think it's so important that new homesteaders, and I hear this from a lot of people that are, are advanced. Um, don't, don't take off, don't bite off too much, you know, don't take on too much. I probably knowing what I know now would not have started rabbits last year. Okay. You know, not, not the end of the world, but um, it, you know, I think that it's important that we master, master something, maybe one or two things and then build on that. You know, I imagine, imagine if you add one, one process or animal or system that works with the other systems on your homestead. And you do that once a year, where are you going to be in 10 years? You know, um, so just kind of that, you know, go out and chop the tree five times a day and eventually you'll cut the tree down kind of thing. But yeah, that's, that's my goal for this year. And I, I think that, I think they're tangible. I think they're, they're attainable. And um, I'm excited to see where we're going to be at this time next year and what we're going to be talking about for the next year. Like yeah. that, Now it's starting to feel like a journey, which, you know, at first it was just, we're here. Okay. It was just kind of a weird year of like, all right, we're doing this. And now it's, it's feeling like we're doing something. So you said something about, um, getting sheep and you kind of had this vision. Is that a really long conversation or something you want to? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, no, I'm, I'm certainly no expert and I've never raised sheep. I've never helped anybody raise sheep, but I have interviewed some very smart people who do that. I've read, you know, some books, watched a lot of videos. Um, my, my feelings on sheep is the pros are they're manageable. They're small. Um, you know, if, if, if we're in a situation where the, the, the custom meat processors are, which has been the case lately, um, either overbooked or unavailable, uh, due to whatever market force or situation, I mean, we had to book our beef slaughter out a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean that, that, that's, we, we, I'm glad we knew to do that or else we would be in a weird position this fall. But um, so I just think there, as far as management, being able to harvest yourself, um, the fact that they, from conception to sellable or harvestable product is, is it's, it's, and I'm not super fresh on my, my numbers, but it's very short. Um, I think it's about nine months compared to, you know, yeah, a beef is a lot longer. Yeah, it's 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're looking at quicker turnaround. Um, last check, which has been a few months, you know, the live weight prices are typically lately have been double for sheep than beef. Um, right. Now, yeah, the, that doesn't mean. I've, you know, recently I went and helped harvest some steers at a friend's farm hmm. and, um, you know, it's just so valid what you're saying, because not only do you have to have large equipment to, to process these, you have to have, um, somewhere to put that. That's a lot of, that's a lot of storage of something that you have to have. Exactly. And then, like you said, it takes longer. These were all grass fed, um, Mm -hmm. deers, but it took us, um, I can't remember how many there was of us, probably eight, 10, Probably three of the people there were pretty skilled doing it. The rest of us were helping. 
and it it was two really long days and um yeah it's it's just, it, yeah it was two yeah. very long very cold days and when you're doing this on a homestead you have to have cold weather or a walk-in cooler which most homesteads don't have so right. what you're saying is is just really valid i mean that smaller animal is certainly more homestead friendly if you're going to process on homestead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even once you're done processing, well, now you, I mean, how many freezers do you have? Right. Um, You know, and, and, you know, we're not planning on not raising beef. Right. Um, I really like the idea of having multi-species because of um, parasite management. They really help with each other's parasites, put chickens on the back end. So, you know, as a, as a kind of a new student of the regenerative agriculture movement that's 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 the dream yeah and beef so is really good i like beef <laughs> yeah i love beef yeah. um i ha- i didn't grow up eating lamb but i do like lamb and it will be it will be an adjustment as it is for most americans because it's just not that common of a protein but um but yeah so that that's kind of the feeling about it and they're ruminants you know they also eat plants that beef animals don't like you know, they yeah. don't just eat grass. They'll eat the the broad leaves. They'll eat the thorny stuff. So they're, they're really good for the pasture. And um, Have you done any research on, um, speaking back to like fodder or hay trees, have you done any research on which, which ones work better for sheep? Well, <clears throat> I mean, the, the, my understanding, not really. I think what I'm going to do is, is I, I want to plant all three of the top three fodder trees, um, see what does well here. And I'm not going to go crazy with it, but, you know, start with a fairly decent planting and then just expand based on what seems to work the best. Um, But I do need to look into that more and see kind of what, you know, what makes the most sense. But I haven't looked either. Have you? And then another question is, um, do you guys get snow that stays down there or is it an option for you to have grass most of the year? Yeah. So last year I think was fairly unusual. And we, we had several close to a foot accumulations over the winter. Um, so we'll see how this year is. I typically okay. it's not a major factor. And so, you know, ro- again, I didn't kind of mention the rotationally grazing aspect of what I'd like to do, which is still right. above me. It's, it's, I've, I've, I've read books, I've watched videos, I've talked to people, but until you get started, you know, yeah. um, but ideally I would love to be able to have a nice stockpile for the winter and tree hay in the right. barn. And I mean, that's the vision because I, you know, one of the reasons that I started my podcast, one of the reasons I started this homestead really comes down to just a lack of trust in our ability to be provided for by the corporate system, you know, it's, it's clearly failing. And, um, and even if it's able to provide, it may decide that it doesn't want to provide for some and it may want to provide for others. So, um, you know, so that, that's really the, the driver behind wanting to do sheep. I think, you know, a lot of the people that surround this area are doing beef because it's, they're easy. I can tell you, I've got two beef animals out there and, you know, raising them and weaning them in a couple of moments when they were very young were a little bit intense. But other than that, I mean, it couldn't be, right. couldn't be any easier. You'd think it'd be the other way around. but You um, would think, yeah. We have yeah. to, but we have to have this conversation though, because 
um, we have to think about, you know, what the next five years, what the next 10 years look like. And um, we can't kill ourselves being homesteaders either by working ourselves to death. So we have to learn to work with not just nature, but with what our property is suited to, what our area is suited to. Um, And it sounds like you're putting all of that into thought. And that's something I have ruminated on since, you know, for a while, but then ruminated on even more since we bought our, our new homestead. And, you know, that's what permaculture tells us to do is to, you know, the sit back and observe and think about these things. So I think that's a really good conversation. It's not just that, um, I mean, yeah, I would like a cow, but does my property suit a cow? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like this, but does my property suit it? Because you're just going to be working against that constantly to make it happen. So exactly. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's it. And I think, yeah, ruminating. I mean, I, I spend so much time um, thinking, you know, since we've been here thinking through and, and, and so I know that sheep are not going to happen right away because I've thought it through and gone in circles and looked at all these different things, you know? So somebody said in a book I read, I've, Recently, I don't know if it was Alan Nation or Greg Judy or Wendell Berry, but it was probably one of the three. And they said something along the lines of uh, farmer thought is the farmer's most valuable asset. And having the having systems in place, and that's why ruminants are great. They go out and they do all the work. They're converting sunshine into meat. They're doing that work for you. Your job is to think and strategize and to, like you said, figure out, you know, what, what is this land going to support? And what is it not going to support so that I'm not taking these massive steps and wasting all these resources, time, energy, money, um, and, and, and heartache going up a hill that's never really going to be sustainable for me. So I think, I think that's really important. Um, you know, yeah. it's just, Whenever you're, my advice to anybody that's new to homesteading, just, just, it's okay. Think in circles, read, study, you know, draw out maps, um, you know, geek out for a little while, observe your property, um, you know, look at what other people are doing in your area as well. Um, You know, look for those resources, see, see what people are having success with um, and give it, give it time and let it roll. And that's, and that, and I can say that now because I'm at this point where, like I said, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing something now, you know, it's not just like, oh, am I legitimate right. because I have X, Y, Z animals and plants? It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on a process and this is my process. This is my family. This is my, you know, the property that I've been, you know, able to, to work with. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a trip. I'm, it, we're enjoying ourselves for sure. I like how you refer to it as a journey because it certainly is a journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know that you've been at it for, you've been at it for a while. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, mostly the gardening and learning, learning everything except for animals. I mean, we've had chickens in the past and my husband did grow up on a homestead. Um, He grew up on a small farm and kind of like a hobby farm, but they had, they had a lot going on Mm -hmm. there, but um. But yeah, I mean, I still have so much to learn. I'm so far from being an expert <laughs> on so many things, but um, it is definitely a journey. And 
So now that we're we're wrapping that up, um, do you want to talk to people about you know where they can find you and your podcast and all that jazz? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I started a podcast not long after we got here. It was in the works for about a year before that, and I started it in March of 2021. It's called Plans and Provisions. It's uh, it's a homesteading podcast, and so I basically I wanted to start pretty much right away when we got here on the property. And, you know, I, I, I almost started it beforehand, but I thought, you know, I, I really just kind of want to be able to document my experience, my family's experience on a new homestead. And like we talk about that homestead journey, one of the, I wanted to share that journey with other people who might benefit from that. Um, so I, so far have interviewed, um, Tons of really, really great people. I've met some wonderful people and I've asked questions that I, I have as a new homesteader. Um, we've talked about anything from fermentation to herbal medicine to foraging, um, rabbitry, uh, rabbit, raising rabbits. Um, I've spoken with some just kind of just your average homesteaders and talked about their experiences as well. Um, I do a monthly update where I just kind of tell you what's going on and, and share some of the things that we've been dealing with, some of the ups, some of the downs, some of my thoughts on that. And uh, going into this new year, I am starting to do, taking a break in January, but in February, I'll be back to it. Um, starting to do some more solo shows, just um, talk about different topics that I think are important and um, and uh, that need to be talked about in the homesteading community. And so uh, you can find me really anywhere you can find a podcast. It's called Plans and Provisions. Um, social media, I'm really only active on Instagram. That's at Plans and Provisions. Okay. Uh, got a website. You'll, you could probably guess what the website is, plansandprovisions.com. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. I'm having a, a great time. Got some, uh, got some great things coming down the, down the pike. So I'd love to have more people show up and listen. Yeah, I really enjoyed your um your last podcast with Judson Carroll. Yeah. That, yeah, was, that was a good one. That was pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I took tons of notes. I ended up having to rewind it and take some notes <laughs> so I could go find his stuff. And yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Judson is um he is I met him through an online uh homesteading community. Um he is he's one of the smartest guys I know and we just have a ton in common with music and 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 things and yeah we I I just that was a fun that was a fun conversation and I always yeah, always pretty cool. yeah so I'm glad you enjoyed that one well I'm going to thank you for coming on and taking the time to do that and um I can't wait to hear more and listen to you as you talk more about your journey on your podcast well, thanks, Rachel. I um I really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get back together and talk again in the future. Ah, okay. Well, we can I can figure that out in a minute. Well, thanks. <laughs> this is cool. The um yeah yeah I really did like I kind of geeked out on his podcast. I was like, I need to find all this guy's books, and I know it's really cool. He had yeah, like, lots of information. It was that was cool. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was um. I, uh, yeah, I just enjoyed that. I've gotten to where I used to go in with like rigid notes and I had scripted questions and now it's like, I've got a loose outline. I'm like, let's just, yeah, let's just, let's I, just talk. 
I just kind of wrote a few things down here too, because mm-hmm. I re- realized that I want, um, especially with somebody like that, with so much knowledge, you just kind of want to let them, yep. if they want to keep going on a subject. You just kind of let them go because absolutely so much to offer and they're so excited about it. Yeah. No, you guys, you, um, you guys should have him on. I don't know if you've had a, a herbal, herbal we haven't. I sh- we should, he, um, was it him that he was talking about ferns? Mm-hmm. And I found that fascinating because our new property has is the wildest property. It's very, I've never been on a piece of property that was so small, that was so diverse. Mm-hmm. And we have um, at the back, we have like this swampier area with these huge 150 year old white pines. And then towards the front, it's, um, it's more deciduous trees. But at the back, we have those huge ostrich ferns. And he mentioned oh, nice. ostrich ferns. Yeah. And it was the first time I had ever heard anybody actually talk about ostrich ferns because I didn't even, I live here. And it was the, actually the first time I had actually ever seen them. Wow. Have you ever had I, fiddleheads? I didn't even know then? we had them here. So, so you've never, you've probably never had fiddleheads. We ate, so we ate the regular fiddle. Like, so there's several different kinds of ferns. The fiddleheads mm-hmm. that we typically eat are the ones that come up on one stalk and then branch out. The ostrich okay. ferns come up from the ground and they're huge. Hmm. And we didn't realize there was so many different kinds of ferns till we got on our, till we owned this property and we have at least four different kinds of ferns and we have uh, cool. like salamanders running all over. And we've oh, wow. learned that that has means that the property is really healthy oh, good. because they absorb through their skin and they die if they don't have healthy, healthy, if there's like contaminants right. and stuff Toxins. like that. So, huh. yeah, yeah. But it was when he mentioned the ferns, I was like, oh, I need to go find him and find his information. But I think he didn't quite have that out yet. But Yeah. I know the book's uh, available. It just judsoncarroll.com. Yeah. Is I'm actually package. on your website, clicking on it right now going, oh, oh cool. I forgot about this and I need <laughs> to go back over there. Yeah. Um, so. yeah, you, you guys should really have him on. He's a, he's a very easy guest to have. He's very engaging. Um, and he knows his stuff. That's for sure. You know, that's the talk. interesting thing too, is it's one of Harold and I's goals is to learn more about, you know, herb, herbalism, wild crafting, mm-hmm. just, just all of that. And I found it interesting. What I can't remember now. Now I might have to go listen to it again. Um, he was talking <laughs> about with the kombucha, how he uses kombucha. Oh, as a starter for fermenting. Yeah, I've done a yeah. lot of fermenting, and I've never used kombucha for that. So yeah, I, I, I had neither. Yeah, yeah, I had neither, and I, um, I use like my other brines from other things, um, but right. I had never done that. So I have, I, I, I have like a gallon or two of really nice kombucha vinegar that you know it's kombucha that. I, it just wasn't, it, it have, already was I have gone. a gallon of it right now. And I'm like, what do I uh, do with this? And I did find out that you can use it. Um, it's like one cup to 10 cups, or maybe it's one cup to a gallon. I'd have to look it up again. You can use it uh, in your garden. So, Interesting. Well, I could use it I didn't it there. realize that. I've been making salad so dressings much. out of it. I've been doing a little kombucha vinaigrette. Yeah. It's been fantastic so i'm like all right well this is essentially free and i don't have to use the apple cider vinegar i have to bring in yeah so, we have apple uh, cider vinegar that i grew, did made from our apple mm. trees and um i just have so much vinegar because i made two gallons of apple cider vinegar on t- and then i have this kombucha vinegar and i'm like what am i going to do with all this vinegar? <laughs> but, yeah we do yeah. a infusion 
um, just garlic and different herbs and stuff. And I, I take a shot of it every day. So we, we get through vinegar. We probably Some get through fire about 10. cider. Kind of, sort of just, I do whatever's on right. hand, but, um, yeah, we go through yeah. probably 10 gallons a year of, of apple cider. Um, I have to take thyroid medicine. So I actually drink, um, apple cider vinegar before I take my thyroid medicine. Cause it helps with absorption. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Strange. I know, but I take a naturally desiccated thyroid. It was the, uh, I had to fight my doctor on that one. Hmm. What's but. the alternative to that? synthetic oh i see yeah and i didn't want a synthetic one so mine's so uh, it's actually um pig thyroid gland oh wow yeah you can get bovine too but because of my celiac being so bad um i had read a few studies where when people took like apple cider vinegar lemon water before they took medications or even vitamins they actually absorbed them better so Hmm. I don't know if it was that or me, the changes in my diet, but I was able to cut my thyroid, met the medicine that I am taking in half. Hmm. So I'm like, anytime I can get rid of, yeah. I wish I didn't have to take it, but I, I'm not there yet. Maybe someday, but yeah, I'm not there yet. But at least you have the resource and it keeps you, keeps you healthy. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that was one of the reasons I went to that steer class was the farmer. She invited me because her and I were going to try to find the the thyroid on the mm-hmm. cow. It was <laughs> like a little expedition there. So, yeah. yeah. Any luck? We didn't. It was so cold. And it, mm-hmm. the day that we ended up. Um, so what happened was we butchered. So, OK, what happened was we culled one that day. But two more had already been hanging for like four weeks because we didn't want to cut them up without them being hanging long enough. Mm-hmm. So we only had the one to work with to actually find the thyroid because the other ones were already in quarters. Right, and, um, right. It was, I don't even, it was like 15 degrees with like 50 mile an hour. It was so cold. Yeah. I had on two layers of Carhartts and long underwear and everybody was frozen. So we didn't end up spending as much time doing that as we had hoped. One of the bad things about doing it as homesteaders, we were doing it outside because who has a building big enough to put your tractor bucket way up with a big cow on it. Yeah. I just, I do, I do think that, that sheep are the future. If, if, if decentralization and the energy situation kind of changes and I, I just think that sheep are, I heard somewhere years ago that, Prior to like 1950, and I, I haven't looked into this, and I've been meaning to that that lamb was actually one of the um, number one proteins consumed in America. That you know something about that doesn't surprise me. So my husband is the baby of older parents. Um, mm-hmm. They ate a lot of lamb growing up, and his parents mm-hmm. would have been his parents, um, like his dad served in Korea, the Korean War, and um, okay. And so they were born, he was born, I think it was 1931. Yeah. Yeah, 1931 or something like that. So, and he was raised on a farm in New York and they ate tons. My husband grew up eating tons of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was just like more chosen. And then I don't know why it came out of favor um, because you, it's easier to KFO a cow, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, my, my cynicism says it's because because it's too 
sustainable and too manageable right. and right. independent. And, and so let's do, let's do chicken, which is a hundred percent, you know, or at least 80% reliant on imported energy and let's do beef, which right. is pretty hard to do if you don't have all of those resources. Well, you need a huge you know. piece of property to do beef. Mm-hmm. You know? Fairly yeah. huge. I mean, you're not going to do it in your suburban backyard, but yeah. No, well, and I that's mean, the yeah. whole thing. And I think this energy thing, I mean, it's ridiculous. This whole energy thing. Now they want to outlaw gas ovens. And it's just, I feel like that's just going to get worse and worse. And I think that we have to stay ahead of it by being smart, by, like you said, just planning ahead and having sheep instead of cows because it's going to be. You know, unless you have eight kids home to help you do stuff like this. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and even then, think, I, mean, I don't think things are going to get easy anytime in the near future. I think we're going to find more and more struggles and we're going to have to be more and more resilient and and um, self-sustainable and all those mm-hmm. things. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I used to have a pretty negative outlook and I'm starting to, A, yeah. I'm kind of shutting out some of those sources of, of yes information that just send me on the same programming of fear and but also I, I think we have to be we're in a we're in a massive paradigm shift multiple paradigms are kind of yeah. overlapping and, and changing so it, it's up to people like us and even on a small level I think it makes a huge difference because that's the local is where it's going to make a difference and I think it's we have to be thinking in terms of how do we how do we create a solution before the problem even hits? We can see the problem is there. It's 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 a storm cloud, and we've maybe gotten some wind and some lightning and some rain. But oh yeah, and they have um, the neon lights on it. They're always telling us, <laughs> right? But that storm will pass at some point. Yeah. And what is it going to be like on the other side of that? And you know, food is the most I'm important hopeful. Component. Honestly, I see more people, um, more people wanting this. I'm actually I'm pretty mm-hmm. hopeful. And that's think, so important. I think it's going to get rough for a while, but I do think, yeah. I think it's hopeful. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that, I think if we take the negative programming and we feel like, well, there's no point, well, then they've, they've won. And, and yeah, we are, I think that's exactly is, their goal. That's yeah. it. You know, and I think that, you know, we, we, oh, there's alternative media and there's all these different, I think most of it's all coming from the same place and it's all part of the psychological operation yeah. to, just keep I us from taking watched, care of ourselves. We haven't watched, we stopped watching any form of news, right, left, whatever. Mm-hmm. We figure if it's really, really big, we'll find out about it. Yeah. And um, we just started focusing on like what we need to do. What mm-hmm. what book do we need to read? What video do we need to watch? Who do we need to talk to? Um, we just get so much more time. Mm. We only have so much time, and yeah. we're trying to spend that wisely. And we found that um, we did that probably like three or four months back and we're not lacking any information. We, it's all the same stuff. It's just rewash over and over anyways, from what we found and right. we're happier and we're getting so much done mm-hmm. and none of that was changing. Like it wasn't doing anything for us. It wasn't because we knew this, it made our lives better. So. Yeah. And I think it, for me, it would alter maybe it would just knock me off balance, you know, yeah. and, and keep me yeah. from just staying like one foot in front of the other. And so, yeah, we're, we're doing the same thing and it's, it's been, it's been pretty good, you know, just focusing on what 
you know, I've got enough of my own problems and nothing on the news is going to change what I'm going to do. Now, if I was wondering whether I should move out to the country or raise my own food, it might be different, but I've done what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm I'm out here, I'm doing my life. Um, I've got my vision. Um, I feel like God's planted all this in my heart and given me the opportunity and has a plan. So I'm just going to continue that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Well, I'm excited to see what happens with, for you guys in the next year. I, um, lots of stuff will probably be happening here in the next year too. So it'll be yeah. interesting to swap stories and, uh, yeah. Do you I, have I better start, I better start lifting weights because I have a feeling I have an awful lot of fence poles to, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause you have nothing out there right now, right? There is Except nothing. Plant, plants and um, trees and stuff. We had, we have temporary fencing around the orchard, which came down when we got two and a half feet of wet snow. Um, mm. Well, he, yeah, that, that podcast isn't out yet. I think that podcast goes out tomorrow. Um, the one that, where I talk about, so last weekend we secured 160 um, holes from an orchard, oh, cool. um, fence posts mm-hmm. from an orchard. And um and I said to my husband, I don't know why I'm so excited about buying work, but I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah. But I but better start the... doing something this motion. Right. Yep. Start. <laughs> yeah. Just give it some weight and just keep doing that. Just, I guess so. Even that, even just that. I mean, you know, because yeah. there's, there's a lot of pulls, but I mean, we got more than we know what we're going to do with, but we do need defense. Are they T-posts? Defense. No, they're big. Oh, so you got to dig holes, huh? Yes. You, yeah. Do you, you don't have a tractor out there, do you? We do have a tractor, but it does okay. not have a drill or anything on it. It's a small, very small tractor. So yeah. you could probably, I think you could probably a, rent a, a an auger that you could throw in the back. We, you know, we might be able to if our tractor isn't too small. I was trying to remember what it is. It's a small, it's a small diesel um, John Deere. It's not huge by any means. Most people would buy it to mow their lawn, but it's yeah. bigger than that. Yeah, we moved a bunch of logs with it. It's, it's a, a lawn tractor, basically. I think it's a nine ninety two twenty five or something. It's I don't know. My husband would yeah. know right off the top of his head. Right. Yeah. That's his baby. But we'll figure it out. We'll get it in. But that's a big that's a big thing. And then um yeah, for me the same thing with the fodder trees to keep that going and that's so huge. That that just sent off a light bulb uh, for me. It, uh, I'm just, yeah. Our first goal is to get our rabbits totally independent of the feed store, which is easy because they don't really eat that much food. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, for what we have, but um, we can replace that a hundred percent. And, and then, yeah, my goal is to not have to buy hay next year. Next year might be pushing right. it, but it, you know, right. I'm some pushing, point, um, I'm tossing or what I'm kicking around right now is if I want to go through the hassle of planting black locust mm. um, in rows so I can coppice it and maintain it with rows wide mm-hmm. enough. I can mow to kind of keep it contained just because um, the wood stove, the BTUs alone for black, you know, for it and then coppicing it in smaller smaller pieces and then and then fence posts continued need for right. fence posts and um because the fence posts we have are from an orchard they're cut off so they're not super long they're um five to six feet they're not okay super huge yeah. 
Right. But yeah, so I'm tossing around that tree, but I'm just continuing. Now I'm growing out my fruit tree guilds because I planted a bunch of fruit trees. So now I'm working on the guilds and fencing this summer and building a kitchen, an outdoor kitchen out there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. So. Very nice. Yeah, I haven't. We haven't planted one fruit tree yet, and I'm glad we haven't. Um, but that's a goal too this year is just to start slowly building out yeah. some little food forests. And you know, I'm I'm a, I'm more excited about these fodder trees than I am about fruit trees. But uh, I'll get a few in the ground for sure. Well, I have year. pig property. I really do. Like, uh, I have a good friend that has. Um, he raises mangalitsa hogs. I don't know if I'll do complete mangalitsa, but. Um, our property's kind of like this and mm-hmm. there's woods here and there. And um, so we wanted to do like um, run pigs through the woods and stuff. And that was kind of why I got um, a bunch of apples because they can feed the pigs. And then we have acorn, we have oaks. Nice. So the pigs can eat the acorns. And so we kind of have yeah. a four legged four wheel was... drive property. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. great. I mean, that's like you said, you know, use, use what makes sense. And and I believe Nick Ferguson said that you could replace pig feed up to 90% with these I fodder know, trees. I know. That blew so my mind. The apples and the oak trees <clears throat> yeah. and the fodder trees. I was like, so our friends that have them, they don't buy feed. He hates pig feed and he mm-hmm. grows, um, he grows like daikon or mangles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the pigs actually go harvest them themselves. Right. And he grows rye and the pigs go in and eat the rye and the pigs go in and, and do that themselves. And he just kind of, whatever he can find, anything he can find, he feeds these is pigs. He, is he on YouTube? Yeah, Mark Baker. He's Mark Baker. Yeah, Baker's Acres. Uh, I've heard you mention him a bunch of times. I feel like I've yeah. seen a video of him He's doing a little exactly bit, that. Um, He's a little bit controversial in some subjects, but I tell you when it knows, when he, the guy knows how to raise, raise amazing tasting pigs that, wow. oh, yeah. And he does all that. And I'm like, so I've known for a while that this property was really good for pigs. Now for a while, I have no desire to keep goats for a long time, but we may have temporary goat property to help clear out some yeah. berries. And then, and then the goats move somewhere else because <laughs> right. I have no desire to try to contain goats. And it's long. funny because after chickens, that seems to be the, like the go-to for people who are new to homesteading. They think, Oh, I want goats. And I'm like, why in the world would you want goats? Yeah. My husband loves them because he grew up with them, but he's like, yeah, they're kind of of the devil. No, they're, they're, they're fun and they're cute and oh, yeah. they're even tasty, but they're horrible to raise. I mean, they're just, oh, they get into everything. They chew everything yeah. up. They can climb anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what he said. He's like, oh yeah, they're cute. They taste good. They good milk, but they're hand they're handful. Yeah. That's why I think sheep are are, are the you know, and, and to the point of sheep manageability on a homestead. I mean, that's why I think pork has yeah, been I've thought about so sheep. pervasive. If I got yeah. sheep, I would want hair sheep. I don't want to deal with yeah. sheep. Oh yeah. 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 No, I most people are doing hair sheep these days because it's just no so much easier than the yeah. than the shearing. But and Greg Judy is not far from me. I tried okay. last year. I tried last year to see if I can get some some animals, and they, she, she, uh, his wife, politely declined just because I didn't have a big enough of an order. But okay. there's enough people around here that have his sheep that eventually I want to get some of his. I think so. The problem there it depends on who you ask. But on one hand, they're very parasite resistant, but those Saint Croix are very small bodied. 
oh, versus okay. a, a Dorper is like the Angus they say of the sheep world. And so and Justin um, has the LaCroix, right? Look. Justin does, I think, have yeah, the same he got his from he got his from Jake uh, from thought. Greg Judy. Yep. That's what I thought. In fact, I'm, that's I'm why really I, behind on watching some of this <clears throat> stuff because I just haven't had time to sit and watch. But yeah. I haven't I haven't watched it in, in quite a while. I've been so busy, but um but yeah, he's got Greg Judy's um and, and they're very parasite resistant, but the Dorper just makes a bigger a bigger carcass. So it's a question of am I looking at a commercial product or I just want something that's going to be a sustainable you know food source. So it's there's still yeah, there's still you things. Know, it feels like there's a lot to weigh, but well, I should let you go. You have another meeting and I have yep. probably have people running around my house somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> so, thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been really good. I enjoy talking yeah. with you. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Jason, for coming on the podcast. You can find his information in the show notes. And don't forget, homesteading can be done anywhere. So grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. Like grandma did, sitting on her front porch, hunting and fishing like a kid. Once you've done all of your chores, it's a Today